This is Stereoactive Presents. I'm your host, Jeremiah McVeigh. And in this episode, I'm joined by Charles Henshaw to discuss The Beguiled, a film written and directed by Sofia Coppola and distributed by Focus Features. The Beguiled stars Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, Colin Farrell, and Elle Fanning. In just a moment, you'll hear Chuck's review, followed by my discussion with him about the film. Guiled is a pleasantly small movie. These days, I'm pretty used to movies being big in some way, either the subject matter, tragedy almost uh, to a Greek level, or racism, or violence, or some kind of big issue is involved in, in a lot of movies, particularly the dramas. Movies also are very long, and even the action movies, which at a time, it was almost sacrilege to make an action movie longer than two hours. Now, it's pretty standard to have any movie be two hours and 20 minutes plus. And also, in this summer season, the action is huge. The explosions, the robots, the superheroes, it's all very big. This movie is small on all those scales. It's a very simple plot. A Union soldier is found by a young girl who is living with several other young girls and women in a seminary in the South during the Civil War, and he is injured, and stuff happens. I hesitate to go further because the movie is so simple that to go even further than that into the plot in this review is to sort of give stuff away that if I was listening to this, I wouldn't want to know. I think it's about maybe 130 in length and not a lot in terms of action happens. If you could see me, I would use air quotes, which is to say that it's not a big event movie. They kind of exist. Certain shocking elements occur, but a lot of the movie is spent just with these people interacting amongst themselves. It's reminiscent to me of the Twilight Zone in a way, something sort of normal becomes disturbing. There's also a Twilight Zone episode where a soldier comes to a house that's essentially deserted and only has the the woman figure there. And so it was very similar to me in that regard. It's also reminiscent of European art cinema in not only how subtle it is, but also in how little about the characters we really know or ever get to know. And we kind of just have this single snapshot of their lives, this several months that occur and then that's all we ever get to know about them i enjoyed that part of it i like a lot of european art cinema and i love the twilight zone and i like subtlety i like the smallness i like going to a movie and not having it be so big all the time although i love big movies and i appreciated that part of the artistry colin farrell is a soldier the three women are Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, Elle Fanning. I think there's three little girls whose names I don't know, but I would suggest you look them up because I thought all the performances were very good and they were really tight ensemble. I appreciated all of that and I enjoyed it. I was never checking my watch, but I will say that I think it would have been a much more powerful movie if some of the subtlety gave way to more information about what these characters were going through where they were coming from, and 
kind of raising the stakes to some degree on what they all wanted from one another. And that being said, I think if you're a cinephile especially, this is the movie for you. From this point on, we may discuss elements of the plot that some could consider spoilers. So if you don't want to know anything about the movie before you see it, we hope you will come back and listen to this at some point. So, Chuck, I think we're sort of on the same page with this movie. Okay. Um, Maybe you liked it slightly more than I did, but I did like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think it was... It didn't blow me away or anything, but right. I, I thought it was um, overall pretty good. That said, I think there are some problems that maybe we'll get to that a lot of people are pointing out sure. that are hard to ignore. Um, yeah, I, I think that you you touched on something, the subtlety, I think you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to put my finger on it, and I think that is the perfect word. This movie is about subtlety and how subtle you can be and still tell a story and still give a little bit of character. Cause right. like there, and I think that that's tied up in the Southerness quote unquote, right. Of, of the whole situation. And there's a lot of being proper and not giving yourself away that I guess makes a lot of sense. Cause this is like a, a school for women mm-hmm. where they're supposed to be learning about how to be a lady. Um, right. But yeah, there, there were moments where I was like, how subtle can you be? Right. And not sort of lose the thread. Yeah. Did you ever have that sort of a a fear about it? Or did you even see it cross over towards that at all? I didn't. I have a pretty high tolerance for that kind of thing. I'm a big fan of Terrence Malick, uh, who is the king of that sort of thing. I was actually watching a movie with my mother recently, The the New World. And uh, partway through, she's like, wow, his pacing just like comes to a stop. (laughs) Um, and it's not untrue. Uh, and like I said, a lot of that European art cinema that I've actually gotten into more over the past couple of years, I haven't liked all of it, but it also is very much just like people sitting in rooms and, you know, you kind of just roll with it. Um, so I didn't feel that way because I feel like I'm more up for that sort of experience. But I, but I totally would understand if if other people felt that way. You also touched on the length of the movie. Yeah, I think that's a very important factor here because, like, I, I think the amount of subtlety that she was after mm-hmm. with this and uh, I guess accomplished uh, goes hand in hand in terms of it being successful with this not being overly long. Yeah, for like, sure. Because I think it would have been really easy for you to add five or ten minutes to this movie, and you just kind of feel like. Well, that just did it. I'm done here. I right. no longer like this. I think she also punctuates it with some really jarring moments that kind of, if if there wasn't that, I might have gotten bored earlier. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the things that I found really compelling were some of the simplest things, like when he first arrives and Nicole Kidman is sponging him and he's unconscious. And the way she took her time with that scene, I thought was really powerful because it said, you know, we're going to stop and pay attention to what is happening between these two people in silence Mm -hmm. and in simplicity. Also, there was almost a horror sort of aspect to it where they're like dressing his wound and you get these pretty grisly close ups of them uh, uh, you know, stitching him up and stuff. And so that added to that element that, again, you know, I sort of bring up the Twilight Zone that there was a kind of spooky quality to the movie. And I think that also aided that subtlety because there was always a sense 
of what's going to happen next. So right. You're kind of waiting for things to to blow up and get crazy. Um, so there's like a little bit of a tension. If that wasn't there, this subtlety would also wear thin earlier, I think. Right. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's that um, the subtlety of the performances is about these women being very mannered mm-hmm. and those manners are there to kind of mask something yeah. like that's sort of the purpose of what manners are. And, right. and you kind of get a scale of that. And I guess it kind of goes by age too, with those three main yeah. uh, female actors in this of Elle Fanning is sort of the one that's, that's least subtle. Yeah. And, you know, she tries to be more or less, but you know, stuff rings through that she can't hide, especially <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the movie, like a good laugh moment was right. um, when she was in the garden with a hoe and she just looked oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a spoiled kid who's like, oh, right. why do I have to be here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And then you have uh, Kirsten Dunst who is like a little more accomplished at pulling it off, mm-hmm. uh, like her character, I mean. Right. Uh, and, and then Nicole Kidman is like the proper lady who's there to teach them all how to be like her. Yeah. So it there's, I thought that that dynamic between those three main actors uh, really worked well. And then you have this weirdo from outside right like not even foreigner even really right who, um, which i would who i would say is also well-mannered sure in, in or, kind of in the in the style of the time period as right, well right um that he's or at least at first appears to be yes yeah. well yes certain things sort of drive him to be less well-mannered right um and it's an interesting discussion of like whether he's justified or not in his rage um Maybe not entirely, but I don't think so. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's it, it it's like I I don't you know yeah I don't know. It's to me there was a moral ambiguity involved, um, right? And I think that I I expected it to be much more uh, like screw this guy, let's seek our revenge, and I felt like everybody was sort of it was com- more complicated than that i ultimately felt right which i appreciated because that not that not that everything wrong with that but it just is isn't as in- intriguing right um one thing uh just to strain out the the look like the gauziness of yeah, it it was weird um it it sort of reminded me i think it, it didn't hit me until later um uh, that it reminded me of one of her father's movies mm. uh the the scene that isn't in the original cut, I think, but was in like the redux mm-hmm. of Apocalypse Now, sure. where they're with all the French people out, yeah. out, out at the mansion in the jungle. Right. Uh, there, there's a similar sort of dreamy, surreal gauziness in those scenes that I think is here. And I really do wonder if she was looking to that as, as sort of a, a, you know, a, a style point yeah. to, to try to hit. I don't know. I mean, I I'd certainly. I mean, I, I think it's difficult not to notice it. I sat very close to the screen, so I I was like, <laughs> um, which I like to do sometimes, and um, so I was hyper aware of it in that regard. And um, uh, it, to me, it, it's felt more like pictures you see of that time period, where they're not totally in focus, right. and you can't really get at the details um but yeah i do think again i uh, going back to that creepiness the twilight zoney you know right. that that thing of just this is something unreal there's something unreal about it and the fact that these women are all there by themselves abandoned 
there's nobody else in this movie <laughs> and uh and it's it's very uh surreal in that way right and and just while you were talking i thought of another mm -hmm. thing that it reminded me of that by coincidence is one of her father's movies they, uh. like because th those some of those first moments when they're like in the parlor or whatever room it is yeah and nicole kidman is in the scene and it's very dark yeah to the point like you were saying where you can kind of not even see her face that well it's, yeah uh, and it's it's not that, it, it, that it's actually obstructed by anything it's just the lighting and it kind of reminded me of the cinematography in like the godfather yeah. which which was a big deal um if you've ever watch any like making of documentaries about it um gordon willis yeah gordon willis um he, like he even says he went too far in a couple yeah. of scenes where where like he's shooting with backlight and you basically get a silhouette yeah and it it, it did kind of remind me of those things yeah i it's i didn't think about it in that way i think those are valid comparisons to me it seemed like she the the thing that separates them to me is both those movies are very sharp, even in the darkness, right. and even in the like and the dream. And you know what's great about that that scene in Apocalypse Now is that the the dreaminess is is caused by him like blowing smoke and fog into like into everything, right? Instead of like putting something on the camera or something. So in a way, it's it's it makes me think that you know she she was just so unconcerned with making things look sharp and and noticeable right and um yeah i mean yeah i think i think she had a style in mind and yeah she, i assume she i don't did. think she can get away from her father sure ever. and uh, it wasn't yeah. something that like was overbearing i didn't even no. think about it until after the fact and then it was sort of like it took me two steps to get there of like yeah kind of reminds me of that movie mm -hmm. oh wait that's her dad right right <laughs> you know um, well she's so she i mean i think you know i i watched marie antoinette uh, because I'd never seen it and it was one that I thought would be valuable to see and then compare it to this one. Mm -hmm. And she's so inspired by that stuff from the 70s, whether right. it's her dad or it's foreign movies or whatever, that it's like, you know, regardless of who she, you know, being related or not related, it's just so clearly her thing. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Um, so I, I feel like we'd be uh, wrong to not mention the, um discussion about whitewashing with this movie sure um so just for people listening if you haven't heard in the original adaptation from 1971 71 starring clint eastwood yeah. and directed by don siegel there was a black character in uh, that that's what i've read i have not seen the movie but yeah i haven't seen that movie and i have not read the book mm -hmm. um my understanding is that there's a black character in both the original adaptation and in the book and perhaps that the character that Kirsten Dunst uh, plays in this version was of mixed race. Mm -hmm. And one of those source material, or the source material or the other adaptation. Right. I'm not positive about that. Yeah, I didn't hear about that, but I did hear that there was a, a, a black uh, female slave character right. that features prominently, uh, is not just like a side character, but features prominently in both the original adaptation and the book. Right, and so, of course, I think rightfully, uh, people asked, Sofia Coppola about this and her take on it was basically that she didn't feel comfortable taking on that responsibility of portraying that story. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. I, I think I've side with people on this that that doesn't seem like a valid uh, argument on mm. her behalf. Like it, it does seem weird to me that you would uh, completely extract the black experience from this when it is mm -hmm. about 
a bunch of southern people. Right. Um, I mean, I think I think that there. I'm not saying that you couldn't do it and get away with it, but that seems like a really terrible uh, justification of it. Sure, I wouldn't have done it that way. I think, and I think it's. I I do respect that she again is making this tiny movie about this very simple thing. And as I understood it, she was sort of saying that slavery is this large issue that would be tackled amidst mm -hmm. this uh, this sort of smaller movie. And that instead of kind of half-assing it, she just sort of didn't do it at all. Right. I respect that choice. I think when you adapt things, you have to make those choices all the time about right. uh, cutting things out and simplifying and, and about what drew you to the movie in the first place. I mean, this is really about... Uh, this is about like primal desire. Right. Um, and, uh, and it's not that, and I think, like I said in my review, the, the problem maybe with the movie in general is that it's not just that there's no black character, it's that the characters themselves are so sort of simply drawn and it kind of takes away from maybe some of the emotional weight of the movie that you don't really get to know anybody that well. Right. And so it seemed like she just didn't, and it, it seems also like her MO, to be honest, between what I've seen of her as Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, uh, Marie Antoinette, she is not big on giving you a lot to know about her characters. Yeah, and, I, I definitely think know. she's into ambiguity of yeah. characterization. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not trying to say that she made a good or a bad decision with that. Right. I think it's certainly questionable, and I think... Uh, I don't know if she was right or wrong in doing that. I think her answer yeah. to the critics was dumb. I mean, it's just it's a movie and it's a movie that comes from this from this woman of particular experience. I mean, I don't she's you know, she's Hollywood royalty and she is a cinephile and she's probably those things before she's anything else. I don't know her personally, but it, it seems like that. And it seems like from her movies, that's what she's all about. You know, it's that's kind of what this movie is. I don't I guess what I would say is that I don't think that this movie as it stands without a black character diminishes anything. Now, maybe if she had added the black character and thrown that into the mix, we would have gotten a more rich uh, experience with our people on screen. Right. And that I would have been interested in seeing that. But having her made that decision not to go into slavery and 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 who and God forbid she does do it and then does it wrong, the uproar that would come with that. Right. Um, you know, maybe she knew that she's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just like these women being attracted to this guy and then this guy flying off the handle and the sort of the dreaminess of it all. And that's the movie I'm gonna make. Right. Um, and I'm not gonna pretend that I know what I'm talking about or Okay. Thank you, Chuck. No problem. Real connection to. In a way, there's. I think there is something admirable about saying, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to pretend that I do. And and again, I don't think that anybody's losing anything by that character not being in this very small, low budget indie movie that you know, uh, quite honestly, only certain people are going to see anyway. I guess all I mean to say is that I think the criticisms are fair because it is sure. based on something that includes black characters. And to me, that always opens you up to that. Like if, yeah, why not just come up with your own story if you don't want to include something that was a key element of the original story? Right. 
And and I'm not even somebody who thinks that a director or a writer owes anything to their source material other Mm -hmm. than not making a shitty movie. Right. Even if making a not shitty movie means ignoring a lot of the source material. Because a lot of things are not adaptable in a good way. Yeah. But I think you got to answer the question sometimes if it comes up. Or 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 choose not to answer the question. See, Maybe that, that would have been the better right, thing. Yeah. Here. I mean, I think, yeah, it, it all comes down to like, she made the choice and she was never going to win. Right. Is really what yeah, it is, yeah. you know? That's, and so you got to just kind of roll with it. But I certainly would, would have liked to see a version of the movie where the characters were more richly drawn and where if there is this... Um, character who adds a complexity like slavery to the mix mm-hmm. um, that I probably would have liked that movie more. Right. Okay. Thank you, Chuck. Mm-hmm. No problem. Thank you for listening to Stereoactive Presents, and thank you to our guest, Charles Hinshaw. The music in this podcast is composed by Hansdale Sue. My name is Jeremiah Lee McVeigh. If you like what you hear in the show, please rate and review it in Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows that. Doing so helps us to expand our audience, and it's much appreciated. And please follow us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Every little bit helps, and like I said, it is truly appreciated. You can also get in touch with us at stereoactivemedia at gmail.com, and you can find more information about this show and everything else that Stereoactive Media is involved with at stereoactivemedia.com. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.